whether you are a mom uh, biologically or maybe a foster mom or a, like, a, like Lisa said, like, like a mom, an aunt or somebody uh, to someone in this world, every one of us has a mother. And our relationships with our mother are unique to us. They're unique to the siblings that we may have as we were growing up. Some of us were extremely blessed. Some of us had moms that followed Jesus closely. Some of them, our moms loved him and tried to communicate that love and grace to us through their lives. They did their best to pass on their Christian faith to us. Other, others of us may have grown up in a home where the mother didn't know the Lord that well, and maybe she raised us up the best that she knew how, sometimes based upon the way that she was raised, and we need to have grace and understanding when it comes to that type of situation. We do know that nobody's perfect. We know that everyone who is a parent, we can try our best, and still we have our shortcomings in the way that we raise our kids. Sometimes uh, in our relationships with our own mothers, as this series says, it is complicated. It is complicated, that relationship. You know, I want to go to the Old Testament. I want to go to the time of the giving of the Ten Commandments. There was this great hero, this prophet of the Lord that God raised up. His name was Moses. Any of you guys remember that name, Moses? Um, uh, he, he looks a lot like Charlton Heston. Um, if you know the movie, The Ten Commandments. And uh, anyway, Charlton Heston made a great Moses. I think Moses would have been proud to say, yeah, he can play me. That's fine. Um, Moses, uh, after the time that God called him, he, he went to Pharaoh. They had the, uh, the let my people go incidences and all the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea and the exodus out of slavery in Egypt. They, they come to the foot. In, uh, in the desert, uh, the foot of Mount Sinai, also known as Mount Horeb. And Moses goes up on the mountain, and he is with the Lord uh, personally for a period of like 40 days. And Moses comes down from the mountain holding these two stone tablets that actually says what was written on the tablets in Hebrew was written by the finger of God himself. And so these are valuable commandments that he was sharing with God's people. There's what we have known as the Ten Commandments. And of course, the first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. Commandments like, you shall have no other gods before me, that prohibition against idolatry. And of course, that's a difficult commandment to keep. But the, the last six of the Ten Commandments have to do with relationships between us and with other people around us. And the very first of the six commandments has to do with the relationship between a child and a parent. And so it says in Deuteronomy, as Moses is repeating the law to the Israelites right before they were going into the promised land, Moses says to the people, and he says, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So honor your father and mother. It is not a suggestion by God. It is a command. I think it is the first uh, lesson that we have growing up from the time we were infants and toddlers and, and preschoolers to respect authority, to learn that we do not grow up completely independent in this world. We are not our own God. We are not the boss of everything. Though maybe at two or three years old, we think we are. Maybe some of you have raised kids like that that says, you know, you're not the boss of me. Oh, yes, I am. I'm your mother. And God put me in this position with the authority. Uh, and time has not made us equal. 
You ever try that line? That's a great line with your kids. You know, you may be smart. You may even be smarter than I am. But, but here's something you need to know, little one. Uh, time has not made us equal. And God has given me experience and he's given me his authority and his word to raise you in the way that you need to be raised. And children need to learn from an early age to honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long upon the land. When we learn to honor our parents, it is a stepping stone to learn to recognize and honor the God who created us and who redeems us. What a great promise that is from God. In fact, you get down to the end of uh, chapter 5 in Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy kind of summarizes the giving of the law again. And the very last verse in Deuteronomy, Moses is sort of summarizing all the commands of God that he had given out. And he says, walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. So there's this blessing involved, blessing of being able to live and to prosper and to live long upon the land when we walk in obedience to the commands that God has given us. Today, we're going to look at a godly mom. Now, when I introduce this mother to you, for some of you who know the Bible, some of you know some of the Bible stories, when I say this person's name, you may not think of her as a godly mom. You may think of her as a, a woman who had a lot of nerve, a woman who had a lot of uh, a brash um, uh, boldness to come before Jesus and make such a request. The mother that I want to talk about this morning, her name is Mrs. Zebedee. Does anybody know who that is, Mrs. Zebedee? Mrs. Zebedee is the mother of James and John. And of course, when Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee and he was calling certain men to come and follow him and be his disciples and to join his ministry team in, in proclaiming the kingdom of God, two of the men were fishermen. They were James and his brother John, and their father's name was Zebedee. And so their mother, without having a name other than that, I'm just going to call her Mrs. Zebedee. Okay, so Mrs. Zebedee, this is in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20. This is near the end of Jesus' ministry here on earth, right before the time he was going into Jerusalem. And so this is quite a request before Jesus is going to enter the eventful last week of his life. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? He asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. Wow. I read that and I say, that woman has a lot of chutzpah. Do you guys know that Yiddish word, chutzpah? You know, if you say it very strongly, you might uh, spray something on your neighbor. So you got to be careful how you say that. But chutzpah is a great Yiddish word. It means sort of brashness, boldness, uh, the willingness to step forward with courage and daring. So if somebody has a lot of chutzpah, they have a lot of nerve. In fact, we might even read this request that this woman made of Jesus and says, wow, the nerve of that woman to come to Jesus and ask that. Where did she get the right to go and ask such a thing of Jesus? That this mother should be the one to approach Jesus, well, it might seem a little more understandable if we understand, and, and some commentaries uh, believe this is true, uh, that this woman, Mrs. Zebedee, may very well have been Jesus's aunt. 
She Mary, she Mary, she very well may have been the mother of the, the sister of Mary. You know, I got to get my family straight, okay? So Mary's the mother of Jesus. We got that down, right? Okay, Mary had brothers and sisters, and we believe that this woman, because uh, there's a lot of evidence that says John and James were actually Jesus's cousins on his mother's side. And so their mother may very well have been Mary's sister. So the, the request might be a little more understandable, might be a little more plausible if you sort of understand the idea that this could have been Jesus's aunt uh, by way of his mother Mary coming to make such a request of the Lord Jesus. Maybe not certain, but certainly possible. What the sons of Zebedee want and what their mother asks for is that they might share in the authority and the preeminence of Jesus as Messiah when his kingdom is fully present. In other words, Jesus, I know who you are. I recognize who you are. You are the Messiah, the Son of God coming into the world. And when that happens, I have a request for you. And I have a request for you for my two sons. Now, maybe her ambition for her two sons was slightly misplaced, but as a mother or as a parent, can you really fault her for wanting her sons to excel and to succeed? What about you today? When you think of your own kids and raising your own children or maybe even your grandchildren, what are the ambitions that you have for them? What do you want to see God do in their life? And, and how you want them raised up. What are some of the, even the unspoken expectations you have for your own children? You know, there's a joke about two Jewish mothers. And if somebody's of a Jewish background, just, just I hope you forgive me in advance. Um, I, there was a lady last night, Lynn Colley, told me that she comes from a Jewish background. And uh, there's two Jewish mothers. They're, they both have preschool kids. And they decide to get together for a play date. Now, a play date is a code word. My daughter is of this age, and she has two preschool kids. So she says when she gets together with other moms and the kids and they decide to meet on a playground, they call it a play date. So they're having a play date, these two Jewish moms on the playground. Their kids are playing on the playground, and, and they're introducing themselves to each other. And they, they see the two kids, and they say, oh, so... Those are your two boys over there. What are their names? And she says, oh, their names are Isaac and Jacob. And she says, oh, that's great. How old are your two boys? And she says, oh, the doctor's four and the lawyer's two. Okay. Now, kind of funny, but does that not reveal the expectations that this mother has for her two boys as they grow up to be men? I think it's natural for any good mother to want to see their children promoted, to see their children honored. This good desire, sometimes it goes too far. Sometimes it can be distorted if it causes them to stand in the way of whatever God's specific will is for their children. The Lord might have a different mind, a different plan for your child than you do. Sometimes you say, well, my plan is my child is going to grow up to be such and such. The Lord may have a different plan, and we have to keep our, our will open to God's will and praying whatever God's will is for our kids. Uh, maybe the plan that God has is even more prestigious than you want, or maybe it's less prestigious. So parents' desires for their children's advancement, it's got to be held in check. It's got to be held in check and say, Lord, your will be done in the life of my child. Now, certainly we can understand the mother of James and John. She was working to secure this early promise of the best places in the kingdom for her two sons. 
The kingdom, the, you know, and the high hopes that we have for our kids, whether our child is a possible poet or artist or a leader, a statesman or a stateswoman and a reformer, a hero, those, those desires, those hopes, I think they're held closely in every heart of a good mother. And what mother does not look into her child's face and dream for him or for her this high position, this ennobling influence when that little person grows up? I think moms have high hopes for their kids. This mother, Mrs. Zebedee, certainly had high hopes for her sons. Mrs. Zebedee was aware of the teachings of Jesus about his kingdom. You know, when you go back to Luke chapter 8, Luke, tell, Luke sort of has this parenthetical sidebar and he says, you know, besides the 12 disciples that were following Jesus, there was also this band of women, not just Mary and Mary's sister and Mary Magdalene, but there were many women who were following Jesus. And in fact, they were supporting Jesus' ministry out of their own financial means. And I believe that this Mrs. Zebedee was one of those women. She joined the ministry team. She was traveling around with Jesus. She certainly was aware of Jesus' teaching about his kingdom. She was aware also of the fact that her two sons were not just, one, were not just two of the 12 chosen by Jesus to be his apostles, but these two sons were also in the inner circle. Because many times, as you read the Gospels, you see Jesus was doing this special ministry, and he only took three people with him. Like when he went up on the mountain, he only took Peter and James and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. They were the only ones who were the eyewitnesses when Jesus was transformed uh, into the glory of God up there on the mountain. So she knew that James and John had these positions of prominence already, and I think she was just sort of, uh, in a way, jumping the gun or trying to jump ahead and secure these uh, positions of preeminence for her two boys. So she says in, to Jesus, Lord, when you, make, when you establish your kingdom, I would just request that my two boys have a seat, one on your right and one on your left. You might criticize her for her brash boldness, but I want to uh, take a moment or two and bring out some positive things about this request that Mrs. Zebedee made for, who to, for her two sons. First of all, she prayed that her sons would be part of the kingdom of God. That's the very first step that I think any good mother who's a follower of Jesus would want to pray. She prayed that her two sons, that her children would be at least part, would be in the family of God, in the kingdom of God. I know that uh, mothers pray all the time for their kids. In fact, I don't believe that there's anything more powerful than the prayers of a mom for her children, that, that they would come to know God, that God would bless them, that God would show those kids the path that God wants uh, to be on, and that if their kids are going astray, there's no more powerful prayer than the mother interceding on behalf of their kids, that their kids turn around, and, and instead of being indifferent toward God or apathetic about God or stop going to church altogether, that they would, they would turn around and they would repent and that God would touch them so that those kids would get back on the right path. We know that being a parent isn't easy. You know, as a mom, sometimes I think your heart swells when your child starts acting in this kind and loving and giving way or when you see your child go the extra mile to help somebody else. Your heart swells up. Sometimes your heart is heavy with sadness as you see your child. Sometimes they're defiant to authority. Sometimes they're defiant to your authority. 
Sometimes they're just stubbornly insisting on disobeying your good, godly instructions. They're straying from the good path that, that they should be going down. You know, that sinful nature that we're all born with, sometimes that comes out the strongest and most rebellious in a child's relationship to his parent or to his mother. Sometimes you see this awesome godly behavior and then sometimes you see this selfish bratty behavior, sometimes in the same day, <laughs> sometimes in the same hour. And it's, it's got to be frustrating for moms. Moms have to have a, what do, we have to, what do we say? You have to have tough skin, but you have to have a tender heart. And you have to have both if you're going to parent your child in the right way. Sometimes your kids make you so proud you want to pop your buttons. Other times you need a whole box of tissues to dry your tears. Sometimes moms are so happy when their children are successful on their job or in their career. Maybe they're out making a lot of money and driving nice cars and living in good neighborhoods. But what about the things that matter the most? What if they don't know God? Or what if they don't walk in his ways? What if they don't love God the way that they, seemed, they used to seem to love God when they were younger? In other words, for a parent, what does it matter if your kids gain the whole world but lose their own soul? So let's pray. Let us communicate God's love to our kids. Let's model that. Let's be an example to our kids so that when they see our lives, it will be like a reflector of God's love. It will be this idea of say, I just want to be more like you. And if you follow Jesus and you love him, then that's the path that I want to go down. You know, Besides being a parent, you know, being a parent, I, if you're married, being married and happily married to somebody in a stable marriage relationship, that's probably your most important human relationship you have. And that's not just a blessing for you or for your husband if you're a mother. That's a blessing for your kids because when your kids grow up in a, in a good, stable home, that gives them a security and an anchor in their life that they can take with them all throughout their adult years. So, but other than being in a good marriage relationship, being a mom, that's the most important job that you have. We have that concern for our kids, and I, I just hope that there is, in the heart of every mother in this room today, there's a burden to go to the throne of God, to pray for your children, to pray that they would not just be saved, but they would be saved and really know God personally, that they would be walking daily in God's forgiveness and grace. So the first step is, is just praying and helping to, to see that your kids are in the kingdom of God and in his family. That's a good place to begin. But it goes beyond that if we're gonna be a godly parent as, as moms. It's a great start if you raise your kids to know Jesus. There's lots of churches out there, out there however. They're full of people they're full of people who might be content just to come in on Sunday and fill a pew. You know, they're not necessarily standing on God's promises. They're just really sitting on the premises. Think about that. You want them to go beyond that. You want them to be involved in the work of the kingdom of God. You want them as to be teachers and to be disciplers and leaders of other people. You want them to be the one to say, uh, here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me to go out into the world and to seek and to save the lost, just like Jesus did. We want our kids to grow and to make an impact on God and his kingdom. So we want them to be 
active in the kingdom of God. So that's step number two. Not just that our kids would be in the kingdom of God, but they would be active in the kingdom of God. And then step number three, we want them to be not just that, we want them to be active leaders and influencers in the work of God's kingdom. And as parents, the only, you know, I don't say the only way that can happen, but one way that we can help ensure that's going to happen is by the way that we live our lives. Because whether our kids are in the home still or whether they are grown and long gone, our kids are still watching us, are they not? They're still looking at our lives. You know, it says in the book of Hebrews, remember your leaders. And, it said, and when you think of a leader, I think of a mom and a dad in a home because that is the authority that God has given you to be the leaders, to be the Christian influencers in your own home as your kids are growing up. And so the Bible says, remember your leaders. And then it says, consider the outcome of their way of life and follow their example, right? So our kids are always looking at us. Our grandkids, if we have grandkids, they are looking at us. They're looking at our lives. They can tell by the way we live and not just the words that we say. What is really important to us? What are really the priorities of our lives? So go back to Mrs. Zebedee. Her kids were in the kingdom of God. They were following Jesus. Her kids were leaders in the kingdom of God. And Mrs. Zebedee wanted even more than that. She wanted them to be the top leader, influencers, prominent positions in the kingdom of God. And you know what? Jesus didn't even, he didn't even rebuke her for that. He didn't even refuse her request. He just said, if that is going to take place, they are going to have to follow in my steps. And Jesus said, can they drink the cup of suffering that I drink? And of course, James and John said, yes, we can. And it turns out that later on in life, yes, they did. The very first apostle to be martyred for being a Christian by Herod in about 44 AD was James, was one of these brothers right here. John lived a long and full life, but John did a lot of suffering in the kingdom of God. He writes that in his last book, the book of Revelation. So, so Mrs. Zebedee's request, even though it might have been a, a slightly displaced, even though she might have wanted them these prominent positions, she had high expectations for her sons. She wanted them to excel in the kingdom. And Jesus said, if you're going to be a leader in God's kingdom, it can't just be that you want the power and the prestige and the control and the most prominent places and the banquets and all that like Jesus talked about. Jesus said, if you want to be a leader in God's kingdom, you have to be the servant. If you want to be first in God's kingdom, you need to be the slave of all. And that's one thing as parents that we start modeling. If we're going to be active leaders in the kingdom of God, we need to be stepping up and serving. We need to be the first ones to volunteer. We need to be the ones that are active and going out to the gospel mission and going to serve at the food bank and serving the homeless when they're here on these weekends and, and serving in VBS. We're the ones to model that kind of behavior, not just because it's the right thing to do, but because little ones are watching us and they're considering the outcome of our way of life. Are they not? I admire Mrs. Zebedee. I like her chutzpah. I like her boldness for her kids. I like that she had high hopes for her kids. You know, the Bible, again, says, honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. That's one of the first commands. That's a relational command. It's a command with a promise. And there's at least two ways that we can honor our mothers today. If you're thinking about honoring your mother today, wherever she may be, 
I called my mom this morning. I wished her a happy Mother's Day. I told her what I was going to be preaching on. She says, I'll be praying for you. So that was pretty cool. So I got her prayers um, going for me. So two different ways that we can honor our mothers today. The first one is we can honor our mothers out of duty. Out of duty. Um, I, I hate to do a play on words, but do you notice that the first, the first syllable in duty is do? We have to do something if we're going to honor our mothers out of duty. We need to honor them. And there's a, there's a higher way that we can honor our mothers out of duty, that we can honor them out of devotion also. But I, I want to talk about duty just briefly real quick. Because some of us have a strained relationship with our mother. Some of our relationship with our mother is not the way that we hoped it would be. Some of us are mothers and we may have a strained relationship with one of our children with one of our kids, and we know that relationship is not what it should be. We honor our mothers out of duty. What that means in its basic course is instead of having any obstacles between us, instead of us building up any walls, instead of us ha having the attitude of saying, you know what, I've been hurt, I've had bad conversations, I have felt attacked and criticized and belittled, and I don't want that anymore, and so you know what, I'm not... I'm not in a relationship. I'm not in an active relationship with my mother anymore. She doesn't deserve it. Whether or not any of that is true, we still go back to the command that God tells us as kids, honor your mother and your father. Honor them. Even if you just do it out of duty, even if you only do it out of obedience to God, you are demonstrating as a Christ follower something that is called unconditional love, something that is called grace. Somebody in your life, in this case, it may be your mother. If you're a mother, it may be your child. Somebody is getting something, that, something good that they do not deserve. And they are learning about the love and the grace of God through your life and through your example. So instead of being a wall builder, we need to be a bridge builder with those people that are important to in our lives. We've got to overcome the relational obstacles. So we honor our mother out of duty. The second way we can honor them, and this is the easier way, this is the way that I hope is true for every one of you, and it's true for me in my life, it's true for Lisa and her mom in her life, is we honor our mothers out of devotion. We honor them out of a close relationship that we have with us, that we, we want to be together with them. We like the outcome of their way of life. We love the example that they've uh, put before us. We want to follow in their steps and have the kind of close family that, they, that we had with them when we were growing up, living in their home. We want to uh, have them as grandparents continue to influence our kids because they're a good influence in our families. So that's one way we can honor them out of devotion. We can remember all the great things they did for us. I mean, uh, teaching us how to say please and thank you, teaching us how to tie our shoes, teaching us how to have table manners, teaching us respect for authority, teaching us to do our homework, teaching us to get up in the morning when we need to get up in the morning, teaching us to make our beds. We still make our beds, don't we? As, as adults, part of it is the example that our parents showed us. So we, we remember the good things that our parents did for us and we honor them for that. Sometimes a mother's love is the closest thing that we have to God's love in our lives. You, th you know, you think about a mother's love. You know, where it says in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not easily angered. Love is not rude. Love does not boast. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. 
You know, most good moms I know, they practice that kind of love just about every day of their lives. It's a love that goes through the valley of the shadow of death to bring life into being. It's a love that sacrifices itself over and over again for its loved ones. It would dare to even lay down its life for its own offspring. It's a love that wants God's absolute best for the child and the dedication to model, to teach, to sacrifice, to discipline ourselves so that the child would know God, would know Jesus, and then would fulfill God's purposes in that person's lives. So hopefully, kids in the room who have mothers who are living, that when we think of our moms, we would remember them and think of them fondly, and we would appreciate all the things that they did in our lives. I hope when our kids remember us, would we remember parents and would we remember mothers, they would remember the good things that we did in our lives. I want to close with this. Some of you moms, some of you mothers in this room, you have prayed and you have taught, you've invested spiritually in your kids, and yet you don't see them surrendering to the Lord today. You don't see them enlisting themselves in his kingdom service. You don't see them, they're a far cry from being active leaders in his kingdom work. Uh, and you're praying for them, and you will continue to pray. And as I said, nothing is more powerful than your prayers for your kids you're still modeling Jesus' grace and truth to them and they are still watching you. They're wondering if your faith in Jesus is gonna become their faith in Jesus. I just wanna encourage you this morning, continue to live out your faith actively. Be real with them. Don't give up on them. Don't write them off because you know what? The story isn't over yet for their lives. God is still at work in their lives. And if he's not, if he's not gonna reach your kids through you, one of the things you can pray is, Lord, if, if it's not through me, then reach them through other people. Bring other people into their lives. Lord, cause divine intersections in their pathways so they can meet Christ followers whom they can relate to and maybe without all the baggage of a broken relationship and they could uh, hear and understand and embrace the good news of Jesus Christ. God says to you, the word for today for moms who have wayward kids is Galatians 6, 9. It says, do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, if we do not give up. A faithful mom never gives up. And I want to remind you of one other verse, James 5, 16. It says, the prayers, the prayers of a righteous person, a God-fearing mom, on behalf of her children, those prayers are powerful and they are effective. That's being a godly mom. Moms, this is your day and we celebrate you this morning. Let's close in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, no matter where our kids are today in their journey of faith, Lord, if they're walking with you, we thank you for that. We rejoice in that and weep. We say, Lord, would you just please uh, continue to work in their lives so that they become active in your kingdom service, so that they can even become active leaders in your kingdom service, just as Mrs. Zebedee was, was uh, making that bold request of you, Lord, we'd make that request for our own kids and our grandkids and those loved ones whom we have influence in their lives. 
May they not just come to know you as Lord and Savior. May they come to know you and love you and follow you and communicate your message to this world who desperately needs to know it. Lord, make them game changers, we pray. Make them difference makers for Christ in this, their own generation. Help them to be influential servants in your kingdom enterprise. Help them to draw closer to you and to see their need for Jesus at all times. And Lord, help us. Lord, help us to have that grace. Help us to have that forgiveness that would set aside whatever hurts of the past were and be the ones to reach out. Be the ones that are the peacemakers. Be the ones who are the bridge builders in our own families. Bless us as we do that and give us the courage and the boldness. Lord, even give us the chutzpah to, to go out and to do those kinds of conversations and to have them. And Lord, be honored and be lifted up. And we pray your blessing on all the moms in this room today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.